Hello. Greetings. We're glad that you joined us. We hope that you're doing well. My name is Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples in the west side of Los Angeles. In the New Testament, we see examples of Christians assembling together on the first day of the week, on Sunday. And they engage in various activities. In various passages, we see that these activities included singing, praying, the Lord's Supper, hearing a lesson, giving, and studying the Bible. And these, therefore, are things that are good for us to do when we assemble. We can see this in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, Ephesians 5, 19, Colossians 3, 16, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 17, Acts 2, 42, and many other passages. It's also good for us to spend some time considering why it is that these are the things that we should be doing together in our assemblies. Uh, so that we can engage in them in a way that is more encouraging and more edifying, which is the whole purpose of what we're doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26, and Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. With our singing, we do well to sing songs to encourage, teach, and admonish one another, and to give all diligence to what we sing. When it comes to praying, we do well to see that our prayers are prayers in the assembly for a specific purpose, that we should give thanks to God, make requests of Him, and to encourage one another in the process. The Lord's Supper is a memorial of the Lord's death. And we are to remember the Lord's death and resurrection in it, according to 1 Corinthians 11. And how the Lord's Supper is a communion of believers in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17, and a, and a weekly reminder of the bonds that we share in Jesus. It's also important to recognize the value of the lesson. The lesson is there to present material of exhortation, to rebuke, or to instruct, to encourage brethren. And giving has its place in the assembly, so that we may give to the church, because the church has needs, and it must meet its needs with liberality. So we do well to also consider another element of the assembly, of Bible study, or teaching. And as we do so, it's important for us to keep something, very, some important truths in mind for the New Testament. A lot of times when people talk about the things that we do when we come together in the assembly, the word worship gets used frequently. But the New Testament, worship is not limited to practices inside the assembly. The assembly and worship are not explicitly connected in the New Testament. We are to live lives of spiritual service as a living and holy sacrifice in Romans 12 and verse 1. When we do that according to God's will, that's how we, our soul prostrates or bows down before God in, in truth. As Jesus exhorts us in John 4, 20-24. When we assemble with our fellow Christians, it's a very important and critical part of that spiritual service, but it is by no means the sum of how we serve God. Likewise, we can look and see what we are trying to do when we come together in the assembly, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In 1 Corinthians 14, uh, we are to strive to excel in building up the church, in verse 12. And in verse 26, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Likewise, the Hebrew author, in his exhortation to his fellow Christians, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, 
declares, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what we're to do when we come together in the assembly is to encourage or to provide strength to one another and to edify or to build up, very much like construction. The word in Greek can be used uh, for construction physically as for spiritual edification, for building up the house of God. And so everything that we say about uh, Bible study in our time together here should be considered in that light, that it is to be done for edification and encouragement. And so... What is Bible study in the assembly according to the scriptures? As we even begin, there might be a question, wait a second, wait a second. We, a lot of people like to say, maybe you thought this before, well, the, the Bible study isn't worship. The Bible study isn't the assembly. And, uh, and a lot of that comes from that idea that worship is defined as five specific acts. That doesn't include Bible study, oddly. And that worship can be delineated and limited to a particular period of time. Which again is part of a a very long fallacy about the nature of the New Testament assembly uh, that we've explored at other times in other lessons. When we look at the definition of assembling, and we look at the examples in Scripture, we see that when Christians come together for any purpose, it's an assembly of sorts. And when Christians come together for spiritual purposes to accomplish the things set forth in the New Testament, that is what is called the assembly of the saints. Uh, some people have a, a challenge with the idea of, of, of Bible classes being part of, of, of an assembly because it's so-called a divided assembly. Because a lot of times Bible classes will meet separately for, for, for different age groups or different topics. And... The the idea of a divided assembly, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, uh, and it makes much less biblical sense. You you can't have a divided group of people coming together. It's just a contradiction in terms. Um, Likewise, if we have an assembly of the saints, but uh, few of them are out sick or traveling, uh, is that a divided assembly? Uh, No, we don't consider that a divided assembly. We call that an assembly, recognizing not all of the constituent members are present. Uh, it's better to recognize that during a period of Bible study, there's multiple assemblies. And that multiple groups of people are coming together for the purpose of studying the scriptures. And so a Bible class is certainly an assembly. Whether it is the assembly, perhaps maybe open to a little bit more debate, but uh, it is an assembly nonetheless, and therefore an act of the assembly, at least in the form that we're discussing. Now, is there any biblical precedent for the kind of thing that we're discussing? It should be noted, uh, and, and, and kept clear, that preaching and teaching uh, are very similar in a lot of ways. That both of them are, are working together for the uh, instruction of uh, people in biblical matters. Uh, but the main distinction would be in, in the amount of inter, in, interactivity, so to speak. Uh, sometimes there are classes that are taught more in lecture format, and those are not a whole lot different from teaching a lesson. Uh, and so in some cases, if it's just a, a lecture class, it is basically a, a pre-sermon or a period of time for a first sermon before another sermon. Uh, but in a Bible class, there tends to be more of a back and forth. There can be questions asked and, 
and things of that nature. And so, if we can make a distinction between teaching and preaching, that might be it. Also, teaching sometimes is, is limited to a, uh, more of an academic or intellectual exercise in terms of the scriptures or a topic, and sometimes sermons can be a little bit more uh, application-based, exhortation-based. But again, that's, it's hard to make hard and fast rules about that because uh, you can certainly find ways of talking about applications and exhortations in a Bible class format, and it wouldn't be that side of the realm of possibility to see a lot of sermons that are basically uh, lectures more for intellectual or for basically mental comprehension purposes of things in the scriptures. In terms of, of, of the idea of Bible study or teaching in the assembly, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 we're told, that uh, the early Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Uh, the text does not go into exactly how they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, but in some way they received instruction about the apostles' doctrine. So that is a teaching, and it was done together. The passage is very explicit about how <clears throat> these things are done together. It may not be the only way that you can devote yourself to the apostles' instruction, but an assembly Bible study is certainly one way. We also read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 33b, As in all the churches of the saints, let the women should be keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, there's a lot of controversy about this passage and where it applies. And in fact, the conversation about does this apply to the Bible study of the assembly is a topic really for its own lesson. And it is not our purpose right now to get into that particular circumstance, but just simply to read this verse and to note something about the logic of it within 1 Corinthians 14 and what it's about. Um, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is talking about things going on in the assembly. And he says that here, for women to speak in church, that's in ecclesia, in the, in the assembly. How would a woman break the command of what Paul says here? How would a woman violate this? Well, he says, if uh, uh, women not speak sometimes, that if they want to learn something, they're to ask their husbands at home. So the idea is, if if they were breaking it, it means they would be asking there. That at some point in the assembly, they would speak and ask a question, perhaps. And that would be seen as being out of line. Uh, likewise, it indicates that uh, he doesn't say that about men. He says about women. So it, 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 it leaves open to the opportunity that uh, a man could ask a question in the assemblies. And again, it goes back to... We were not present in the first century to see the way an assembly looks like, uh, whether what what they would consider preaching the gospel was like it frequently is in churches today, where one person stands up and provides basically a lecture, uh, whether there was more question and answer going on during that, uh, and that was called preaching or called teaching. The, the text is not, does not bring that out explicitly, but what it does show here in 1 Corinthians 14, by way of looking inside the situation, that shows that it would not be out of the realm of possibility for at a moment during their assembly there was some opportunity where a question could be asked. And we think about how in our assemblies that would happen. It would not be during the sermon, it would, during the lesson. It would be during a Bible class period. And so we see that the Corinthians, uh, most likely, based on this passage, had something akin to what we consider a Bible class. 
how, how interactive it was, how, how that all worked out is something that is is something left uh, unrevealed. But the fact that uh, questions could be asked in a, in a forum uh, certainly suggests that they had something akin to what we consider Bible classes. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 19, this is one of many examples, uh, Christians were called disciples. A disciple is somebody who studies from somebody else. And so for their disciples, they're learning the message of Jesus and they would have done that collectively as well as individually. And so there is precedent in the Bible for Christians coming together to study the scriptures in the assembly. So why would we do that? Well, we're supposed to be people of the word. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul has many things to say to Timothy in regards to the scriptures. In verse 15 he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. In the good old KJV, do your best and be diligent, is translated as study. And uh, so this is often used, and, and, and the KJV version is pulled out to say this is about studying the scriptures. And we need to be careful about that because uh, Paul has something greater in mind than just sitting and reading, but uh, applying and living as well, um, doing the things that God has said. But he, it, it doesn't mean less than study. Because he says that you need to be a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. It's very hard to rightly handle something you don't know much about. And so we need to know it well, if we're going to handle it well. In chapter 3, Timothy is commended because uh, he is to continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we're, Christians are to be well acquainted with scripture and the message of scripture. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, the Hebrew author it rebukes really the the Christians to whom he writes because they they are in need of milk when they should be on solid food. He says that solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And again, the Hebrew author is really commending practice here. He's commending maturity as somebody who has uh, lived experience in doing what is right and avoiding what is wrong. But that still is based upon a knowledge. Uh, you knowledge in of itself is insufficient. You can't just know and be fine. You have to know and do. But you can't do if you don't know. And so in order to uh, uh, have your powers discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil, you need to first have it understood what good is and what evil is, and then to practice uh, the good and avoid the evil. And we're to encourage one another in 1 Corinthians 14.26 and Hebrews 10.25.26. We're to build each other up in the assembly. And what better way to encourage and, and, and strengthen one another than by studying the scriptures with each other. Um, Proverbs 27 and verse 17, Paul, uh, in the Proverbs, Solomon says that iron sharpens iron, so thus a friend sharpens his friend's countenance. The idea there that... Uh, iron sharpens iron, that if uh, you, you and a friend um, have both can studied scripture, uh, but you've come to different conclusions on something, that you talk about it, you hash it out with each other, um, 
and you can come to a better understanding. Um, and that better understanding could come of one of three ways. For, you might realize in the conversation that both of you aren't exactly accurate and need to find a better way. Uh, possibly you recognize that you, you really didn't handle it right. Your friend had good ideas and you should you should consider them and to change your own. Or perhaps you realize that you had good reason for your belief and you've been reinforced and strengthened in it. Um, right now in America, we're in this, we're in this very interesting position where uh, the fruits of individualism is becoming evident that it's all about the individual and we see a, a very sharp decline in participation in communal and civic institutions and, and any kind of confidence in any kind of institutional or civil authority. And uh, so one of the things that's really picked up is the idea that you can be a Christian without the church. And by necessity, that means that you can be a Christian. You can come to an understanding of what God has revealed, and you don't need anybody to teach you. And that's a very dangerous idea. Uh, some even among the Lord's people have tried to promote that in a well-intentioned attempt to get away from uh, the errors of denominations and, and, and creedalism and things of that nature, the uh, over, uh, an overzealous attempt to out, over, undo tradition. But uh, a great Bible student, no, no less a Bible student than the Ethiopian eunuch, recognized that how can he understand Scripture unless he is guided, unless someone guides me. And uh, the biggest danger that a lot of people have is they study the Bible, and they are doing the best they can, but we're all individuals, we're all fallible, and there's all elements of Scripture we haven't considered. And a lot of people are led to very erroneous conclusions because they do their own study, they get very deep in their own study, they miss things. They may take some things too seriously, some things not seriously enough, they haven't considered other perspectives. And the only way that we can avoid that is through... A public exposition. And so in Bible classes, uh, somebody has an idea that they've developed from some other source. Uh, maybe they came with it on their own. Maybe some of the sources they've read, uh, they've imbibed some ideas that, that they shouldn't have. And that provides an opportunity to hash out from Scripture what is revealed. And there are times where that can get very ugly. And, there, and, and Christians have to have the right disposition, demeanor, and humility, and not to attack people, uh, just to attack them, not to bite and devour one another from Galatians chapter 5. On the other hand, that process of, of, of sharpening, that process of exposure, that process of, of, of making sure that we have an under, a similar understanding of things is of the greatest importance. Because if we're all coming at it from different ideas in different ways, it's very hard to be one in the body. In Ephesians 4, 11-16, we're supposed to grow together and to, to build up the body of Christ. And, and that is very hard to do if you don't have common agreement on things. And one way you establish common agreement is by hashing things out. And, uh, yeah, there's dangers in groupthink as well. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. But uh, there's also dangers in just in having a bunch of Lone Rangers. And uh, we need to, to temper the challenges of each and provide the benefits that come from the other. I would hope that you would have the experience, as I've had the experience, where uh, sometimes we thought something, you thought something perhaps made sense, or had a particular view, and uh, all of a sudden in Bible class somebody else had a different idea, and you had to consider it, and maybe you realized that that, that view was more accurate than yours, or perhaps uh, that perspective helped you have a better, more deeper understanding, or a more three-dimensional understanding of what was being revealed in Scripture. But uh, perhaps one of the greatest difficulties of Bible study uh, has to do with the, the nature of the study and who is in it. Uh, a lot of Bible studies suffer because uh, 
the the material does not meet the group needs needs of the group. Uh, sometimes the teacher could be better suited for the job, but a lot of times we're honest with ourselves. The problem is the the. Uh, it's the participants in the Bible study that make Bible study difficult. Because, as with all things in life, you only get out of something what you put into it. A teacher or a leader of a Bible class, if it prepares well, will gain a lot and learn a lot from the process. And uh, no one learns as much in a Bible class as a teacher does. Uh, but his gain is only beneficial if those who put an effort in the Bible class as well. Uh, if somebody does put any preparation in the Bible class, they don't. then they're not going to get a lot out of it. Uh, the Bible study period is only as valuable as you make it. Uh, it's a lot of great things that can happen through Bible studies for a congregation. Uh, a teacher can direct a class and can get a better idea where everybody in the class is and what they know and what they need to know. Um, they have an opportunity to ask questions and to get feedback in turn. And sometimes the, uh, the nature of the question is is extremely important and, and and for a teacher to assess where the class is uh, in its understanding and students it doesn't have to be one way straight they can under they can ask questions they can interact with the teacher they can explain something they can have a dispute about something and there can be a way of getting real forward movement in terms of understanding uh, and coming together on on, on a viewpoint and it's a lot e so that's a lot more effective a lot of times than just having one person speak uh, when there can be an engagement. Uh, there are a lot of times where uh, you, people have to be worked through a uh, point counterpoint to get to a conclusion, and it's very difficult to do that in in sermon in the preaching. <sighs> but all of those benefits are conditioned on whether the people in the Bible study are willing to spend time to study the material and have questions and to ask them. Uh, where the preparation isn't at, uh, the level should be. That's where the problems happen. Um, a lot of times there's a lack of questions. And uh, I suppose there's some times where the, the material has been explained so fully and everybody has complete understanding and there is no need for a question. But odds are uh, that, that the, the lack of questions says something quite different. Uh, in fact, uh, if there's an attempt to, to participate in, in a Bible study without actually having gone through the material, having studied much, uh, the the way comments are made will most often reflect that lack of study. Um, the questions I'll ask might reflect that lack of study. Uh, it's very easy for Bible classes in church to become times for just responding rote traditions. That there's kind of canned Bible answers that Bible class answers that can be said in, in almost any occasion and, and go back to certain issues. And Bible classes that devolve into such things are not worthy of the name because they're not really studying the Bible, they're just reinforcing the, the platitudes that they've, they've been inculcated with. And uh, this is not to say that there's not a time or place for inculcating platitudes, or that there's... Uh, but. If we're going to study the Bible, we need to explore the Bible. We need to have every, make sure everybody comes away with a deeper understanding of what the Scriptures have revealed, and that takes effort on the part of the teacher and effort on the part of those who would participate in the study. Um, it's also very likely that a lot of people uh, just shrug their shoulders about Bible study. Well, I wasn't getting a lot out of Bible study, you know. 
not getting anything out of it. Well, it, you only get out of what you put into it. And so if there's nothing you put in, you're going to get nothing out. And, but that's not going to change if the teacher gets better or if the material gets more interesting. Uh, the, the, the attitude and the heart of the student has to be opened for, for there to be that kind of growth. But if preparations are made and uh, appropriate participation exists, Bible study can be one of the most enjoyable and greatly sought after part of assembling as fellow Christians. But there's also some limitations to it. Um, you got to put in what you can to get out of it. Uh, we also need to make sure that it's clear that uh, Bible study in the assembly is not to be the sum of one's Bible study. Um, the only times you're opening or studying your Bible are, are on Sunday morning or for Sunday morning and or Wednesday evening, that you're depriving yourself of, of important spiritual nourishment. I mean, as humans, uh, we need to eat uh, something every day, ideally more than once a day. Uh, what does that mean by our spiritual nourishment? Are we giving ourselves spiritual nourishment from the Word? Uh, do we need discipline in that? Do we need a Bible reading schedule? Bible reading schedules are good if you're looking just to kind of remind yourself of the whole Bible. Because over a certain period of time, you can read the whole Bible. Maybe you just want to focus on the New Testament. There's reading schedules for that. Um, it's always good to be devoted to a deeper study, though, perhaps, of, of certain books. And maybe that goes along with a Bible class, where you're doing a, a deeper study into the subject that you're they're talking about on Sunday morning and or Wednesday night. Uh, and that might be appropriate as well, as long as there's a study going on outside of of, of the Bible class. Uh, because you cannot be spiritually strong on a spiritual anorexic diet. And uh, many souls are being lost because of spiritual malnutrition. That they have a feast of, of, of the Bible in front of them. And we have unparalleled access to the Bible and to religious material. Uh, every, almost everybody has technology that allows them to maintain the Bible on their person at all times. On Bible apps like uh, the Holy Bible from Life Church TV or the Olive Tree Bible software. And there's free versions of the Bible that you can have on your smartphone. Or uh, the English Standard and other versions are free for your Kindle. Uh, or your Kindle app on your phone or tablet or, or other e-readers. Um, there are plenty of study guides and study books available, uh, especially with e-readers. If you have an e-reader, there's, there's an immense wealth of material available, and, and it's relatively inexpensive. So we have a feast all around us if we want to partake of it. But many choose and are, dis are distracted by all these other things and are not devoting themselves to the message of God. Uh, it's important to know and, and, and to note that there's a lot more to the Christian life than Bible study and praying and going to church, but the life of the Christian is not less than those things. Those are still very important things for us to do. We still need to be saturating our lives in the Word of God. We're only going to be as strong in the faith as we are in the Word, and in our understanding of it, in our application of it. There's a lot of time. The, the, the assembly Bible study may not be the opportunity to study any and every subject. There are some subjects that might be better for another study at a different time, either because it's a more mature study, uh, or perhaps for certain congregations it's a more basic study, uh, depending on, on the spiritual maturity of the group. Um, there are some spiritual education in certain studies that just may not be what's the most necessary for the congregation at a given moment uh, for the whole. 
And so, again, there's always other opportunities we can take advantage of to get together to study the Bible. And coming together as the assembly is not the only one that we need to consider. Likewise, uh, topics that may involve a more gender-specific or age-specific issues may be better outside of the assembly. And this is not to say, again, that these things should not be studied, not in the least. It's just that we need to be uh, aware of where is best, what's the best, most effective way of encouraging the people we're trying to encourage in, in the faith. And above all things, uh, a congregation cannot study everything in the assembly Bible class. There's just no way you can cover everything. Um, you can cover, you know, go through the whole Bible over a few year period with certain material. And you can start covering some topics as well. But uh, by the time you're done with the whole Bible, you probably do it all over again. Um, if you go through a bunch of topical studies and textual studies, it's you know, time to go through all that again. And that's if you have multiple hours in an assembly study. Um, if you're only doing it one hour a week uh, or two hours. You know, that, that, it's even more difficult to, to get a thoroughgoing concept in, 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 in terms of a full-throated a Bible curriculum accomplished in any meaningful amount of time. Um, likewise with children, uh, assembly Bible classes cannot be the sum of their biblical instruction. Um, there are some who oppose having Bible classes in the assembly. Uh, and their reasons involve uh, the concern about divided assemblies that we mentioned earlier. But all, mostly the concern is that the church is usurping the role given to families and individuals. Uh, that concern is, is to, I believe, is misplaced. Uh, the church certainly has a responsibility. Elders have a responsibility for directing the flock and, and, and their instruction in First Timothy, three and First Peter five. Uh, the local church has, and if building up people in the faith and in the word, must do so. And 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 having it as an assembly Bible class is certainly within its prerogative. Uh, the church absolutely has obligations in that sense. Um, however, the, the concern that has held in many of those groups is that it gets outsourced. The people outsourced Bible study to the preacher, or the one leading the Bible class. And that parents outsource the spiritual structure of their children to the Bible class teachers. And that concern is warranted. That when we have assembly Bible classes for children, those are important uh, perhaps. And then there's ways that, that Bible class teachers can help your child understand the scriptures better. But parents are to raise their children in discipline and admonition of the Lord. And so the parents have to be involved in the instruction of their children and, and cannot expect that the church is going to do that part of their job for them. A school isn't going to teach a kid everything. They need to learn. And you can't expect Bible class teachers to do that either. Uh, likewise, assembly Bible classes should complement whatever is being taught by in the home or, or whatever studies are going on. They should not be the only source of instructions. And we should not look to Bible studies ourselves, our assembly Bible studies, as the sum of our study. We should be doing plenty of uh, study as well individually with our families, smaller groups. And uh, we should not imagine that the that is by coming together to the church that does all the study we should be doing. So that's the, the assembly Bible study. They are an assembly, some, some form or another. And there's precedent for them in the scriptures. That the study is only as valuable as you make it. And it's designed to complement our study of the scriptures. It's not to supplant the study or be the only source of study. Uh, 
And that's why we do well to give diligence to our participation in assembly Bible studies. And again, thank you for your interest. If you have some questions about some of the things we talked about, maybe you'd like to discuss it further. Maybe you've got uh, some questions. Maybe you'd like to talk about becoming a Christian or you have some prayer requests. You just need to talk. Any way I can be of service, please let me know. Please contact me through my website, deverbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. And if you live in the west side of Los Angeles, travel in the area, you want to learn more about us at the Venture to Christ, We'd love to, to be able to encourage you in some way. Please find out more about us at VanishedChrist.org. You can also find us on social media. We again thank you. Have a great day.